is Jonah, chapter 1, verses 9 through 17. And Jonah said to the sailors, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you? that the sea may quiet down for us, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea, then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Okay, well, if I haven't said uh, good morning to y'all, then good morning. It's good to see uh, more people come in and uh, share this time with y'all. Um, as I said, you know, we're, we're here for the worship of God. It's not to fulfill a Sunday habit. It's not because this is just what we do or even to try something new. This is, this is God in our midst. So um, we're moving through this series in Jonah and how God disrupts us. Um, and I will admit I'm um, a little tired. Uh, it's not irregular for me to wake up at 4.30, 5 in the morning and try really hard to get back to sleep and not be able to get back to sleep. It happened this morning because, you know, there's something twisting behind me and kicking me in the ribs and whispering tiny little song lyrics. And, uh, and, and you know, this, this is our, our children, obviously. They crawl into bed with us when they feel, they wake up in the middle of the night, they feel unsafe. And for some reason, they feel like it would be more safe um, to wake up a cranky grown man in the middle of the night, you know, but for whatever, uh, you know, for whatever's happening in their mind, that is a safe place to be. They will actually, uh, our middle son, he is, sleeps on a bunk bed, so he'll actually climb down the ladder in the dark, cross a room with like a sea of toys on the floor, you know, risk the hard, sharp objects, stepping on those. He'll walk across a dark hallway. He'll cross our dark bedroom, which isn't the neatest at this point, to get into our bed because that feels safe. Like he'll go through all of these obstacles. Now, now why? Why would he feel safer doing that? I'm not strong. I don't sleep with a gun under my pillow. I have absolutely no martial arts training. Like, I have no way of, you know, I'm, like why he would feel safer just being in that bed um, is, is totally based on relationship. It's totally based on his relationship with me and Audrey. Um, and 
our daughter, Lydia, has this thing that actually kind of uh, speaks to this. She'll, she'll always ask, um, do you know why I love you? And I'll say, why? And she says, because you're my dad. And she'll say that like once a day. Do you know why I love you? Why? Because you're my dad. And it's not because like you got me something nice for my birthday. It's not because you fed me this morning or, you know, anything like that. It's just, it's just that relationship. It's totally relationship based. We've built this trust and this give and take based on consistent love and care and provision and all of those things that go with being in a family. And eventually, like, those things give her safety now, but eventually she'll have to create that for herself. I don't know when it happened. I don't know how it happened. I just know, like, eventually I created that sense of safety apart from my parents, right? And and I started building these measures to keep me safe in my own world. I, I don't hear a sound in the middle of the night now, and go drive the hour and stand to their house and stand in their bedroom in the middle of the night going, I heard something and I need you to come check it out. Like eventually I built like my own system of, of safety, right? And we tend to eventually, if we take it too far, we can tend to get obsessed with this. We can get obsessed with this safety so that we are vigilant watching our, our biological and psychological health. We watch, our ex, we watch out for external threats. We're mind, we'll lock our doors, right? We're mindful of burglars and terrorists and predators. We, we are vigilant for all of these things that could be a threat against us. In the century before Jesus was born, there was a, a philosopher named Cicero. He said, the safety of the people shall be the highest law. The safety of the people shall be the highest law. And I think, by and large, we operate on that uh, philosophy in this country. The safety of the people shall be the highest law. Now, let me, let me ask you this. Whose safety? How often do you say, I would jump in front of a train before I saw a hair moved on your head? Anybody? Now, mostly, mostly, by and large, it's my safety should be your highest law, right? Not your safety is my highest law. My safety should be your highest law. So for the past several decades, the, the, most, uh, the most popular political candidates are those who are toughest on crime, right? I mean, that's, that's pretty assumed. It's been so for 50 or 60 years. Um, and we, we, we like this because... We want laws in place that will not just protect us, but maintain a status quo. We want everything to stay the same, just as it is, nothing to get disrupted, nothing, uh, nothing to get out of sync, nothing to be different than what I'm used to. And when I say obsessed, I mean, when I say obsessed with safety, I mean, There are large pockets of populations in America that would rather deport, execute, move away, move out of a neighborhood if they don't feel safe. Okay? To take someone else's life and make a grand jumping conclusion, not all the time, but sometimes, make a grand jumping conclusion for my safety. My safety 
comes at your expense. My safety should be your highest concern. We tend to get obsessed with this, not just building laws to protect us, but to maintain a status quo, uninterrupted world. Okay? So, essentially, I am an ocean. I'm an ocean, and I will do anything to stop any kind of wind that causes even the slightest wave. But what do you do when that wind is God? And those waves aren't just little breakers, but they're huge typhoon waves. How do you stop it? How do you, how do you build safety around yourself then? Because that's what we're looking at in this series, right? We're looking at Jonah and God disrupting his life. Each week, we're looking at a different lesson that God is teaching us and Jonah through calling him and then through uh, bringing a storm upon the ship when he's running and then throwing him into the sea. That's where we find him this time, right? God is bringing severe disruption to this man's life because he is refusing to carry out his will, his plan. Therefore, the sailors called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea and the sea ceased from its raging. Jonah was supposed to go to Assyria to speak to the Ninevites the nation that would enslave Israel in the next hundred years. That was his mission. He was to carry the word of God to these people so that they might be saved. Now, 99 times out of 100, the most immediate potential threat that we face in carrying God's word to someone is an awkward conversation. Most of the time, that's the worst that, that can happen. Jonah's concern, his most immediate potential threat was execution. If he went to Assyria and spoke to these Ninevites, he was, he was looking at some major threats, okay? So I'm not talking this morning about a general safety, a general lack of safety. We got floods going on. We got hurricanes happening. Right now, we have we have some bad things happening to good people. And as worthy as that topic is, and we might explore it in the future, this morning we're going to focus a little bit more. We're going we're to narrow the scope because that has to deal with how the entire magnitude of sin breaks the entire scope of God's creation. Okay, We're going to narrow our focus just a little bit. And looking at Jonah, we're going to ask the question, where is God when his people on his mission aren't safe. You have martyrs in all corners of the world. This is not like ancient, this is not an ancient world problem. You have Christians being executed and driven out of their homes today, now, for their faith. Where is God when his people on his mission aren't safe? Now, in our context, we can say, well, you know, the U.S. is going to pot and, you know, Christians are being persecuted and all this stuff here. And, and if we just had better laws that upheld, you know, scriptural values, you know, that wouldn't be happening. And before we go too down that rabbit trail, too far down that rabbit trail, let me, let me say this. If God did not keep his prophet, his own prophet safe, why would we think that any law or government could keep us safe when we do God's will? 
If we're doing what we're supposed to do, if we're carrying out a gospel to the ends of the earth, much less just to our neighbors, there is nothing that will keep our world status quo or theirs. There's nothing. Because God, by nature, is disruptive in the gospel. So let me, let me draw a distinction here. There's a difference between safety and security, at least for our purposes this morning. There's a distinction between safety and security. These two things are divided. And Jesus is the dividing point. Okay, Jesus is the point at which safety and security become two different things. Because if we're talking safety, most of the time, we're thinking about the status quo. We're thinking health. We're thinking our friends. We're thinking protection and, and status. We're thinking of financial stability. These things give us a feeling of safety. But these things are circumstantial and temporary. They're the very things that the gospel disrupts by nature, okay? So if you take the gospel in the midst of a nice, polished, well-kept world, whether it be yours or the person you're speaking to, there will be real consequences to that, actual consequences to your friendships, to your health. I have the... The, the uh, three other church planners in our network, in the Axe Church network, are all in their early 30s. All of them got gray hair by the time they started, by the time they launched their church. Like, it's, it, it, there is depression, there is anxiety, um, not just for like, you know, is this going to go right? Are we going to get all the details right? Can I, can I maintain this? But like for other people's salvation, there is, there's anxiety, there's care that goes along with that. When you invest in something, there are real consequences to carrying out the gospel. And when you enter someone else's world and you take on their anxiety, that's a real consequence to you when you're carrying the gospel, okay? So don't think that we can storm the gates of hell and there won't be any soldiers coming out to meet us. You know what I mean? Like when you attack, you will be attacked. That's, that's logic. So our safety, our status quo gets threatened. It gets disrupted as we see with Jonah. So if we ask the question, why? Why God? We're doing your will for the sake of your world why are you allowing this? And the answer is actually very simple. As much as we want to convolute it, it's very simple. God disrupts our safety because he's good. God disrupts our status quo, our nice, controlled world, because he's good. God brings threats against us, and threats against other people's comfort of living because he is good. One of the most famous um, quotes from C.S. Lewis came from the Narnia world where they're talking about the Christ figure, Aslan, you know, the lion, describing him, what's he like. And this lion that represents Christ is described so perfectly in such a simple phrase. He's not safe, but he's good. He's not safe, but he's good. The cross was not safe, but it was good. 
Okay? Christ left all the safety of heaven. He could have been anyone in anything in the world that he created. He could have surrounded himself with anyone. And he chose a lack of safety for our good. That cross that he commands us to pick up and follow him is not safe. But it's good. We see it in him. It is not safe. It will not lead to a happy ending by any of the world's standards. But by the standards of God, it redefines good. Good is not wealth and health. Good is salvation in Christ. It's much less safe for us to stay in sin, to stay ignorant of the ways of God, and to stay ignorant of his goodness. That's less safe. But if we're going to distinguish between safety and security, safety is the status quo. Security is an anchor. Security, security is an anchor in Jesus Christ. Romans puts it this way. I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's security. It's not safety. It's security. Because no matter what comes against us to disrupt our life, we remain secure. There's nothing that can separate us from God. So it's ironic then that Jonah runs from God to seek safety. It's ironic that Jonah runs from God to feel secure because you know how he said Jesus was the dividing point between safety and security? He's also the unity between safety and security. Only safety in, in his context does not happen in this world. Safety is eternal. We're secure in God and we will be safe in the flesh again when he raises all of his people from the dead. When nothing can touch us in body, mind, or soul, there is safety in that. There is safety in God himself. So it's ironic that Jonah runs from God seeking safety. When the psalmist writes, he will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. We are eternally secure in God himself. And here it is. Your eternal security in Christ drives worldly abandon. Your eternal security in Christ drives worldly abandon. If I'm on an ocean and the waves are getting choppy, I got two choices. I can hunker down in the boat and, and whimper and just hope that it goes away and curse the skies that this fate has befallen me. Or I could start rowing out to everyone else that I can find. We can start huddling together. We can start seeing to each other's well-being because I have an anchor. I have an anchor behind me. I can go out as far as I need to and know that I'm not going to be pulled into nothingness. I have an anchor. I have something grounding me that will never be separated from me. Eternal security drives worldly abandon. Jesus is that lifeline that lets us abandon our safety, that lets us abandon that status quo. Jesus is the lifeline that keeps us anchored in the gospel. 
So you kind of take an inventory. What are some dangers that you are facing, whether they're real or perceived? Maybe it's an actual health problem. Maybe it's a fear that you're going to have health problems in the near future. Maybe it's a job loss or a loved one or the threat of violence or embarrassment or change. Or maybe you don't feel personally fulfilled or, um, or, or financially stable. Maybe all of these things together. You know, all of these things can be a real danger or a perceived danger. The point is, if any one of them are disrupted... If any of those measures by which we usually define safety are disrupted, our security is not. Our security in Christ is always remaining. So when you feel under threat and under fire, you can lean into that. You can lean into that knowing that you will never be separated from your God. His faithfulness is your shield and he is always faithful.